This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. First up this hour, we look at a call to resolve migrant labour issues by instating the anti-Alibaba law. Yeah, the it's an interesting um, proposal uh, from the president of the Federation of Malaysian Manufacturers uh, because I think typically when we think about the anti-Alibaba law or we think of the so-called Alibaba relationship, we're looking at somebody who has um, rented out or kind of you know given for, for some sort of uh, financial gain a license he holds to somebody else, right? So he becomes uh, um, the front for the actual entrepreneur. And that's the Alibaba relationship, which was traditionally uh, seen as um, a relationship that formed by Bumiputra entrepreneurs who had licenses or could get licenses easily, who then would rent it out to non-Bumiputra entrepreneurs. But it's now being used in a very different circum- uh, situation, often uh, when we think of traders, right? And, and so somebody might have a business license around a shop, he no longer wants to do that, now just for a commission, uh, rents it out to a foreigner. And that's now the thing that I think has um, kind of driven much of the conversation around the Alibaba relationship. Yes. So where this law intersects, or this this upcoming law rather, intersects with this um, migrant labour issue. Uh, so um, as you said, Sharad, the Federation of Malaysian Manufacturers President, Tan Sri Sotian Lai, uh, essentially says that um, putting this law in place would ensure that um, these middlemen, so as it were, who or agents who bring in uh, migrant workers are made to adhere to, low, um, to legal regulations, that there's more accountability in terms of how the recruitment is done. Uh, because he says many migrant workers were brought in with the assurance of employment, uh, only to find themselves in a situation where they don't have jobs. Uh, he also talked about how um, as the workers were making, uh, you know, making ends meet, uh, they eventually become undocumented because the channel through which they were brought in. Also, again, there were many loopholes and so on. Um, And as you also pointed out, sometimes they start running businesses, uh, which is also not legal. So there are a number of things here that um, in some senses has to do with uh, what this proposed anti-Alibaba law can do. But in a larger sense, I think also has to do with issues around our current migrant uh, labor recruitment system and various loopholes that need to be plugged along the way. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, I, I thought long and hard about this because I wasn't quite sure why he would use the uh, the anti-Alibaba law in terms of addressing this. Because when he talked, when, when this is the president of the FMM, is that he was referring to the way in which an agent bring, brings in foreign workers or his quota of workers without reference to what is actually needed by the labor market locally, right? So they're just bringing in people because that's their business. Whereas for the manufacturer or for the business that need uh, foreign workers, they will know they will know exactly what their demand is in terms and of... And he also said that they're subject to uh, specific requirements under MITI, uh, which these agents perhaps will not be... Um, 
uh, will not be dealing with the same sort of laws and requirements. Right. So the, the, the question is, agents operate a business of recruitment, which has no or need not have anything to do with the actual labor market demands. And so there is, uh, what we do find often is, uh, we have cases, of course, that people come in and then uh, told that they will get, get jobs they don't get. But more importantly is there's a complete mismatch between the the incentives to bring as many people in as possible, because that's the business, uh, versus what the actual labour market needs. So we will be talking about this uh, shortly with Adrian Pereira, Executive Director of the North-South Initiative. But we do want to hear from you. How can our migrant worker recruitment system be improved? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9. It is 5.13. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. We're talking about a call from the President of the Federation of Malaysian Manufacturers to use the anti-Alibaba law to plug holes in the migrant worker recruitment system. So we've been asking you for your thoughts as well. How can our migrant worker recruitment system be improved? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. Joining us now on the line is Adrian Pereira, Executive Director of the North-South Initiative. Adrian, good to have you with us. Yes, good evening. Thanks for letting me share my opinions. So the FMM uh, president wants to expedite, wants the implementation of the anti-Alibaba law to be expedited uh, to help deal with the issue of undocumented migrant workers in the country. So to start with, could you briefly tell us what the anti-Alibaba law is and whether you think this statement from FFM, uh, you know, whether it, it whether this actually will uh, impact how uh, migrant workers are, are recruited? Yeah, so as rightfully uh, shared by Sharad a few minutes ago, this Alibaba culture uh, is the involvement or a practice of rent-seeking. And uh, I too am a bit surprised on why, um, I think it was a minister who then proposed that uh, he used this law to to weed out uh, third parties and fourth parties who are who have created this uh, rent-seeking system, but instead of usually depending on uh, a local, uh, there's now um, the involvement of non-citizens. So we need to be a bit careful about uh, the terms used and uh, a certain uh, trend of xenophobic uh, nature of the solutions that we are proposing because uh, we end of the day, we, we are living in a very globalized environment. Uh, there is a high degree of competition among the different businesses. And uh, in principle, uh, no one should be uh, uh, anti-foreigner or anti-migrant when it comes to doing business. Because if you look at the, at the nature of transnational companies, at the nature of um, of uh, international uh, supply chains, they are there is the involvement of foreign uh, ownership, the, the flow of foreign capital. But now we are zooming in on small and medium industry, even micro businesses, and we are saying that this is the reason why there is a so-called influx or uh, and the out of control. Uh, uh, numbers of undocumented migrants. So I think we are really jumbling up too many issues and it's, it's quite dangerous. Yeah. 
Adrian, let's before we get to the question of um, a credible recruitment system, right, uh, for for migrant workers, can I just ask you to again clarify this um, application of the Alibaba concept to some of the problems we see, and it's you know it's often highlighted in local tabloids and such. The idea that certain parts of the city are being colonized by foreigners and so on and so forth. The idea that locals uh, allow their business licenses to be, or they rent out their local uh, their business licenses to foreign entrepreneurs. These are not migrant workers as such. These are migrants, but they're business people. I mean, what do you make of that particular problem? Yeah, so if you look at uh, the number of, uh, of foreigners in the country, right, uh, the labor force, uh, they're, cap it, they're trying to cap it at about 15%. Uh, and I think the current figures are slightly less than that. And uh, let's not forget, there's also a large number of undocumented migrants. So it could be uh, maybe another uh, 10 to 15%. So naturally, in certain geographical locations, um, they will need certain services to be provided to this community, uh, irregardless of their documentation status. Now, if I was a businessman and I realized that there is a market for me to provide certain businesses, wouldn't I want to cater to that demand? Say, for example, open up a restaurant uh, that caters to, uh, say, the Bangladeshi community or the Nepali community, uh, there are certain uh, small snacks, uh, certain traditional foods that I want to cater, certain clothes. So as a businessman, uh, surely I, I see a, uh, an opportunity there. Now, if we have made the licensing for such businesses uh, to be given out in a very difficult and precarious manner, then people would naturally seek creative solutions. Now, I'm not saying we need to... Um, uh, break the rule of law, but the way the system has been designed, it makes doing business difficult. Now, uh, with the recent xenophobic um, media that has been um, uh, that has been uh, circulating in the media, I think that has alerted the, the the attention of authorities, and you know they have done these raids uh, on and off. But I, in principle, don't see why we should clamp down on anyone who wants to do an honest business. Uh, and yeah, it is our duty to make uh, the, the business processes easier. But the problem now is people are linking that to foreign workers recruitment, which is actually um, uh, made problematic because of human trafficking, uh, corruption and abuse of the, the labor migration recruitment processes. So it seems like the link here is actually that um, this anti-Alibaba law would also allow for the gaps in recruitment to be plugged. Um, what are some of the weaknesses that you see that could potentially be resolved by this? So I, I'm not sure if that's an accurate statement because uh, we have certain programs, uh, certain immigration programs, which actually would welcome uh, migrants, but often higher income uh, capability to come in and and you know venture into different business. So we are now saying that uh, the low wage migrant has to only uh, uh, continue with their job, and of course that's what the law says. But if we continue down this trend, then where do we draw the line? And it could even be seen as a quite an anti poor, anti poverty kind of policy. 
but uh, back to your question on the recruitment process. So, uh, to be honest, we don't have a national policy on labor migration. Um, it's currently divided into the, the the different regulations by two ministries, which is the Human Resource Ministry and the Home Affairs Ministry. And over the last one, two years, through different research interviews, we find so much confusion. And I believe that there are certain actors who have been profiteering uh, uh, through the, the recruitment of migrant workers who just want to keep it that way. And uh, it continues to be a huge uh, income generator for for these, um, these different actors. And there are also hints that it, it could be linked to political funding. And hence, we see that uh, there's very low political will to solve it. So uh, what is needed now urgently is a comprehensive policy for labor uh, migration management, which you know should should actually be the overarching uh, rule compared to this you know anti Alibaba thingy, which only plugs in uh, and uh, plugs in a competitive uh, a competition related issue when it comes to business. Yeah, if I can follow up on that, uh, the I think what the FMM president did say with regard to the use of agents is that uh, they are in the business of recruiting people uh, and they don't care about necessarily about whether they're hired at this end of the, of the game or the process. Whereas if it was employers or people in manufacturing, people who actually do the hiring, if they're allowed to recruit directly, that would be uh, a better match. I, what do you make of his suggestion that employee employers be allowed to do the hiring? Yeah, so uh, that, that is actually already possible. Uh, there are, uh, we have a history of G2G agreements, uh, which was a bit, uh, manipulated to include uh, G2G plus where agents were brought in, agents were close to different uh, political figures. So uh, we, we have that experience. But the reality in any business is when it comes to certain jobs or tasks, uh, for efficiency's sake, uh, certain tasks and duties are outsourced. So in this case, the recruitment process is outsourced to a labor agent who then brings in the worker. But only so far from my experience, it's the multinational companies and transnational companies who have that strength of a human resource department who can do that. Uh, just imagine, and we should ask this question, would, do we think that um, an SME uh, would have the capacity to, you know, to go all the way to another country and you know, uh, scan uh, screen workers, interview them, ensure that the whole uh, documentation is in place, which is already made very um, to be very uh, tedious and complicated. So, so the the reality is, even now in businesses, even though you even if you hire foreign workers, and even Malaysians, uh, we are now coming to see that the management of the workers are done through management or outsourcing companies. So they have found a way to beat the system. So even though the government has banned um, outsourcing, but uh, the management companies have taken over and they take care of, so-called take care of the, the welfare of the workers, be it the salaries, be it the, the, the contracting. So as long as worker and the employer's relationship um, 
has the involvement of third parties and four parties, this makes um, running business very complicated. Yeah. And on the side of the migrant workers themselves, are there uh, support systems in place? You know, should they face difficulties in securing jobs after being recruited if they feel that there's a mismatch between what they were promised and what the reality turned out to be? What what can they turn? Who can they turn to? Yeah. So uh, the labor department uh, has uh, a grievance mechanism. These uh, applications that have been introduced, and and workers can also lodge a complaint. And uh, after investigating if the complaint is uh, a fair complaint and uh, there's a dispute mechanism that, that kicks in. So so workers, there is a process that uh, will allow a worker to to change employer, but it's under very, uh, very tight circumstances, which, you know, for me, it's almost not a very practical thing. And no worker should be tied to their employer uh, that that is already uh, part of uh, modern day slavery practices. So any worker, uh, whether you're a Malaysian or a non-citizen, should have the right to change employer. But our labor migration system does not allow that, and that has contributed to the uh, to the overwhelming uh, forced labor and human trafficking cases that we that we see in the media and as reported uh, to the labor department. Um, I think Qatar uh, recently uh, abolished what they call the kafala system, and it's important that that Malaysia follow because if employers believe that they can exploit uh, workers, uh, whether they are um, uh, migrants or Malaysians, uh, without allowing them to be released to uh, in terms of employment contract, then the forced labor continues. But I like to highlight there's a new breed of employers masquerading as agents uh, who, uh, you know, bring in the workers and then redistribute them to to other employers. Now, uh, we haven't seen much action taken against these companies. Um, I think workers have filed certain cases and the perpetrators are still free. They're walking around. Uh, this this uh, leaves, a, uh, I think, back to the FMM um, uh, question on enforcement. Uh, I think we, we, I, we have to agree with, with the statement where enforcement has been very weak and it sends a wrong signal to society that, you know, we will uh, uh, condone forced labor, we will condone human trafficking. Uh, for me, it's still a, it's a big mystery why uh, we have not clamped down on uh, this um employers who are masquerading as agents uh, and exposed over the last seven, eight months. Is it really a mystery, Adrian? Okay, but we have about two minutes left. (laughs) I want to ask you this. We see in the newspapers a current wave of uh, raids against foreign workers in the city or in so-called known foreign worker settlements. Um, Are there independent institutions like yours monitoring the compliance uh, during these raids uh, to laws that we have? I mean, are you concerned about any current practice uh, in either the arrest or detention of migrant workers? Uh, yeah, so when it comes to arrest and detention, they should be independent uh, monitors. So, for example, Suhakam or the Bar Council should be informed and should have a formal uh, duty and mandate to monitor because we always find uh, these raids being conducted at oddly hours. And uh, when we ask the government where 
are the employers, where the agents. And uh, once uh, an enforcement officer, I, I'm not sure whether if he was uh, serious or joking, he said, of course, we can't catch the employers because uh, there's no one there at, the, at night. And for me, an answer like that only um, uh, enforces the, the, the credibility of our statistics when it comes to enforcement because we normally see very few employers uh, it's really not proportional, the number of employers who, are, who should be charged for trafficking and, and, and smuggling migrants as compared to the huge number, the thousands of migrant workers who are now in our detention centers, who are lavishing there for months before they get a chance to go back, not yet calculating the amount of wages that are, are not paid back to the worker before they are deported. So we have a perfect storm. Uh, it's a 20, 30-year-old problem that I really hope Madani solves uh, immediately. Adrian, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you. All the best. That was Adrian Pereira, Executive Director of the North-South Initiative. Let us know, how can our migrant worker recruitment system be improved? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us and keep it here. BFM 89.9. Bodacious, fabulous minds. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.37. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. We've been talking about migrant worker recruitment and um, loopholes, um, how that system can be improved. And that's what we want to hear from you. You can call 777-332-900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, so this came up uh, because the president of the, um, I keep mixing up the Federation, full version, the, the Federation, Federation of Malaysian Manufacturers um, pointed out that the anti-Alibaba law could be one way to deal with the issue of undocumented migrant labour. Uh, so Sharo is saying, everybody's still waiting for the workers' agents to haul and be charged, to be hauled and charged in court for the reason migrant workers who were caught by the police when trying to report their agent. Alibaba laws or not, where's the action from the authority? Yeah, so Cheryl, I think you bring up a very important point. I think if anybody with any sense of natural justice would say, why is it that workers are trying to make a complaint about what they feel is, um, uh, you know, a violation against their rights, be the ones who are now victimized and arrested? Uh, but I think what, what has been very positive in the story has been the, the Minister of Human Resources, Stephen Sims, you know, statements, I think, following that particular event, that he was going to go after the agents. And seeing that the responsibility was there also uh, in aiding those workers get the jobs they need. Because I think we, uh, despite the kind of general resentment there might be against foreigners, I mean, just imagine uh, uh, the Klang Valley operating without our foreign worker population. I mean, everything would grind to a halt. Well, actually, so Roberto is um, sort of coming at that point exactly, uh, saying, just wondering, Labor Department, talk to the recruitment agents and immigration department, have a centralized system where there's a job offer open in Malaysia and then tied up with a particular employee who is being hired overseas. In that way, in that system, there will be one job offer for one foreign laborer and one foreign laborer for that particular job so that the entry point at immigration can check and then that's it. Roberto, you know, you should be the minister. Well, well, you should run the country. I was going to say, people should turn to you for a solution. But I was also going to say that reading your suggestion, which to me sounds super logical, 
I think the difference here is that uh, we here in Malaysia, along with a number of other countries, have this um, bad historical habit of viewing certain classes of workers as different from other, right? So um, this notion of foreign worker or migrant labor, essentially your uh, blue collar workers, the recruitment process is treated very differently from the quote unquote expats or the white collar workers that come in. And this system that Roberto is outlining seems to me to be a lot more similar to what we see with a, um, for instance, how Singapore might implement its expat um, system, right? You have openings, people apply directly to them, they kind of have a central um, database of how many are in the country and what are the needs and why they come in. But we don't extend that kind of thinking and courtesy to our um, our migrant laborers. Yeah, so I think, Roberta, I mean, one of the realities that we, you know, long realized is that labor recruitment uh, is a business in itself. And it's a business that's tied with the, the politically powerful in this country. And that's why nothing seems to change. Uh, the kind of thing that you're suggesting is a rational labor recruitment system that, say, a Singapore UAE has where not only is the job tied, uh, uh, there's a job and then there's a vacancy in the opening, blah, 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 is that the people who apply have to come with certification, right? So if you're applying for, say, a job in the construction sector, you'd have to come with some knowledge and skills. And so, uh, and you know, I've been to Bangladesh and I know they have the schools and they have the certification. I've spoken to people there who got the certificates to work in the construction uh, sector and, and that's how it is done for Singapore. You can't do it otherwise. In Malaysia, anybody can come if they pay the agent. Well, because you're also operating in, um, in you know, in many cases, in communities and countries where um, poverty is a reality. Many people are willing to say yes to these sorts of murky terms and conditions because they view it as a way out of their circumstance. And, yeah, I don't blame and so them. It's, ex it's deeply exploitative. Yeah, it's not their fault. Yeah, so then the question is, um, you know, and I think what Roberta is saying is that if you have a rational system of labor recruitment that includes, say, something like certification, uh, then you actually can have uh, a process that is less open to exploitation. Yes. I mean, people are going to try and game every system. We know this to be a fact of life, of human life. So, but we but we need to have it in place first. Yeah, yeah. and then you did try and disincentivize the uh, the gaming of the system, and you criminalize violations, and uh, you send the right signals. So I think what Stephen Sim did was to send the right signals that he was going to go after uh, those stakeholders that are the source of the problem, not the workers, not the victims, but the source of the problem. Keep your thoughts coming. How can our migrant worker recruitment system be improved? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.